Witches and mortals seldom do mix. But when mixed marriage is on the cards, Insanity pursues with the classic 60s sitcom Bewitched with your co-hosts, Vicky Ray, Jesse Fultz, and Keith Chowdhury. Witches have never been so exposed before. And take it from me, I'm Uncle Arthur Sandy. Hello, welcome to the Horizons Podcast, and with Bewitched Week, where we're discussing Season 2, Episodes 21 to 28. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We have Vicki Ray. Hello, Vicki. Hi, everybody. What's up? And Jesse Fultz. Hello, Jesse. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And myself, Kishago. And before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Jesse, what have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Well, everybody in the world knows about your deviated septum as of last week. Oh, so you must. Okay, okay, cool. Was it me? It was him. Okay. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, that's taken care of. It's just very slight, and I take medication to kind of um, keep it in order. It's just like a nasal spray and stay off uh, the so drugs, Jess. Stay off the drugs. Uh, yeah, I've never done. I've never done so much as a line or smoked anything. So I'm good. I know I've you're not- the good one out of the group. <laughs> Oh, please. I don't judge people. Um, <laughs> Neither does but, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, aside from that, it's mostly just school and, you know, all that crap. And I did go to a haunted house. It's probably the most fun that I've had in a while. Uh, something I actually wanted to do. It's hard to find time to do stuff I want to do at school. Because um, I'm there because I have to be in the hopes that I'll get somewhere sometime. But You will. Aside from that, the play, um, which we're coming close to actually doing, um, it'll be out on the 15th. Um, and we're just still doing rehearsals, just kind of last minute stuff. So it's always fun. Yeah. You have to take video yeah, for us so we can see it. Hopefully I can. Cause I mean, I'm a zombie. So all that zombie stuff I was sending. Oh yeah. I, I could not put those things stuff. in my eyes. I was looking at your pictures um, again today. I could never put contacts in my eyes. That just eyeballs creep me out. Sort of like in Friday the 13th when the guy gets yeah. the arrow through the eye. Ah, no arrows through the eyes. I'm always surprised by how scary, I mean, how scared people get over contacts and, you know, things like that. It's kind of bizarre. I don't really find them scary, but other people seem to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're pretty cool looking. Yeah, me too. And what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a lot. I've been kind of enjoying cooler weather off and on. We get all excited about a cold front in October here in Texas. It was 94 yesterday or 95, something ridiculous. That's like our Indian summer or something. But no, not much. Just watching Asher play soccer. He's taking a little break from racing for a while. Wants to pursue soccer for net for a little bit. Um, Other than that, not a whole lot going on. We're just kind of getting ready to start planning the seasonal stuff, birthday parties and everything. And as far as anything good watching, uh, I watched Bingo Hell on Amazon. Anybody you guys watch that? Watch it. It's, It's kind of trashy, but it's worth watching um <clears throat> smoke some pot first <laughs> and then there's a i want i'm waiting for creep show i haven't seen the third is it the third installment or the fourth one i'm waiting for the last one was this really you were talking about it keith with the really cool backdrop with uh the yeah. uh they had all the 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 stuff from all the movies 
Oh, in that horror, one place, yeah, yeah the I like horror that. stuff. Horror, um, yeah, that was thing. really that was really good. That one, I loved that one. And then there was uh, I finally finished Midnight Mass on Netflix last night. A little bit of a slow burn. <clears throat> and have you watched it yet? Either one of you guys? I've watched no, it. I, I haven't. I haven't. Did you see? I mean, I was I was, uh, I saw that Matthew had mentioned something on on Facebook. I'm shouting out to Matthew Brockmeyer, but uh, he was saying that you know, the religion kind of went over everybody's head in that movie. But I was telling him, I've never seen that much Catholicism since I went to Catholic school in one movie. That was like, I could recite everything. Remember, you know, like the, the everything. It's like, oh yeah, I remember all of that. But I, I guess it had its purpose and I just didn't expect, I'm not going to give out any spoilers, but did not expect what happened. You know, it's kind of a slow burn. Did you think a little yeah, bit? I mean, it takes a good four episodes before you get, to get into the meaty stuff. Um, it does have all the cast members from Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And it was okay. I mean, they talked a lot. Um, the performances are pretty much what you've seen before. Um, the twist was good. Yeah. But. I don't know. You just, I, you're so, it's like these people have no clue about, they've never seen a horror film ever or never read any literature because right. when, when it all comes out in the open, and it's, I, I, we're almost like, I mean, the audience is way ahead of these people about right. what's going yeah, on. Yeah, that's something that bugs me about a lot of horror movies is that they act like the mm-hmm. characters don't live in a world where they've ever written a horror film or they've ever um, seen like a, or read a book about horror. I mean, I hate when they act so unaware to where it's kind of unbelievable because I think it's more intelligent and more right. challenging to acknowledge the world around you and around the character that obviously exists, especially if it's set in modern time. Um, and then try and, to write a story around that because that's yeah. more difficult to do. And I think that's why it's avoided a lot of the time. I, mean, I think they're going to have issues like, with that, with the the new Hellraiser they're trying to get out. The females, the main, you know, yeah. protagonist, well, I, mean, antagonist. Fe- I think you have a female Cenobite anyway. I mean, there was a female Cenobite anyway with Pinhead. Yeah, I know. Well, they're pretty much androgynous anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm uh, kind of interested to see how that's depend- It depends if they, if they decide to throw in a, some kind of woke message into it or not. You know, that's just weird. I, I think it's weird when they do that in horror. It's like the one place where it really just doesn't know, fit or work. Well, they always have it's some awkward. little something, but there's a lot of woke and a lot of the stuff I was I can't remember which one I was watching. It's not even so really subliminal, funny. though. It's like more in your face. If it was more subliminal, it'd be more... It'd well, be easier you know, to digest. You nonchalantly get your point across without shoving it down people's face. I think exactly. that's the way to go. That's, um, that is the way to go, but no one does that. So. No one's smart enough to do that, it they seems. I mean, the only, the only problem I had with it, I did enjoy it. The only problem I had with it is that the horrible characters, I kind of wish that we got a good payoff about killing them off. But because which one? I thought, I thought they... Got, I thought the horrible people got off quite lightly. Like that. Well, like the, no, the, the they, one, they the died. The one with the and dressed in white fucking hated her. Yeah. Oh, so. the woman that poisoned the guy's dog. Yeah. Her. Oh, what a cunt! <laughs> I, I, I really, awful. I mean, and I would really like to see some payback for her, but you know, there wasn't a lot of payback, sort of. Not thing. enough. Not. But enough. I mean, it was acted well, and I think they put it well together. I mean, it was okay. You know, I mean, I didn't hate it. I, I related I to a lot of it. I think it kept my interest because I did know about what was going on with all the Catholic stuff. Now, a normal person that doesn't go to church or who is an atheist probably wouldn't know that, or they are an atheist because of that. 
<laughs> but um, I, I just thought it was interesting. I, I'm trying to figure out what I, I, if there was a message they were trying to get across because I, I don't know if there was, but they really pushed the Catholicism. I mean, these people were like were worried about communion and sacraments and going to confession and. You know, this priest, he was too good to be true, actually. So you knew something was probably up, but he just seemed so yeah. nice. And he turned out to be such a, whoa, where did that come from kind of thing? But it was an interesting show. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I I kind of wish it wasn't so much. I kind of wish they were kind of part of a religious cult kind of thing. I think I would. Yeah, I kind of. I mean, cool. my mother's Catholic. I know a lot of practicing Catholics. It doesn't make it's kind of not making them look good. Maybe that's what they were trying to do. Well, I think it's, you know, I mean, I don't it was know. derogatory. I, I didn't I did enjoy it, but I'm just saying that it just it. I mean, it took a lot of me going mm. Like, it took uh, forever to get the story. Know, but at the, at the end of it, I thought, oh, that was, it was interesting. I thought they did a good spin on. Uh, on yeah, I, I like the kind of twist. Thing. I mean, to be honest, I'm quite sick of some of the. I'm kind of, I'm kind of sick of zombies and vampires and that kind of. I, I know. Kind of, I didn't I expect the were- vampire thing. I'm, I think it's time to bring werewolves back. It's time to do some interesting thing with werewolves. I think. Yeah, I agree. It's been a I while agree. before that. So. Yeah, vampire but, um, zombies are definitely overbaked. But that's Same for thing, sure. I did watch the remake of Night of the Living Dead, the Tom the nineties version. The nineties, I liked it a lot actually. Yeah, I do like. I, I think that they were. I I thought that the spin that they gave it, that Tom Savini gave it, gave it a really good spin, and it, and he changed the main character, the Our female bro. character, a bit. Right. So basically, she starts off kind of whiny, but by the end of it, she becomes quite a strong badass. Strong at this point, that's annoying, though, even though that was like maybe the first time they were doing things like that. Nowadays, it's been so overdone. You expect that, especially with the whole feminist thing going on. You just expect well, but, all the main characters to be badass females. But let's face it, well, this, women I mean, have always been badass in horror films. You don't really have many final guys. You have final girls, you know? That's true. So they've always been good to women. And I said then say that I, I say that the... the the character development with the main girl, I think, was really real. I think they did a really good job with it, and it was nice to take something and to basically, you know, you know, it has all the plot points that you that you that is famous for. But to take something and still keep the plot points, but still give it a bit of a change to make keep it making interest. And so, because otherwise, it'd just be a scene by scene, you know, play. And it's like, what you know, that what's something doing that? So I thought, and the only thing I was quite shocked by is that it's quite mild as far as gore and everything goes with Tom Savini. I thought it'd be this like really out there gross out and everything like that, but it's not as well. He's kept it quite contained sort of thing. So but it's worth a watch. It's free on IMDB Pro, um IMDB on Amazon. So it's free. Yeah, maybe I'll t- I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe I'll catch it again just for granted. I saw it I saw it like back when it first came out and I, I, I thought I thought oh it's okay. I mean, you know, but now watching it with fresh eyes is like God, this is actually way ahead of its time. Really. Right. You know, it came out, what, 1989? Sort of thing, so. Totally get ya. But then I I watched another film on Netflix called There's Someone in My House, which is quite good. A new little horror film, new 2021 horror film, um, which is interesting. Which one? Um, There is something in my house. It started yesterday, last night. It's a horror film on Netflix, so. (laughs) Well, this brings us to Bewitch. 
And our first episode is season two, episode 21, which is called Fastest Gun on Madison Avenue. While Samantha was for Darren alone in a fancy restaurant, she is hit upon by a obnoxious drunk. Darren arrives and knocks him out with special magic help. Turns out the drunk was heavyweight container, Hulking Joe Kovacs. And the story ends up being front page news. Things get crazy when Darren knocks out Kovacs a second time and later knocks out Tommy Carter, played by Rocknar Carrington, the champ. Herbie Faye appears as Kovacs' manager and Herb Vergren appears as Sam the bartender. So, Vicky, what's your take on fastest gun on Madison Avenue? I have to say, I actually enjoyed this episode quite a bit, uh, just because Darren, you know, he's he's really kind of one of those. He's not really like a type A gorilla kind of man who's going to, you know, beat the bejesus out of anybody that looks sideways at his woman. But it was kind of funny how, you know, Samantha tries to always, ha- you know, save him. But uh, I don't know too many women basically that can't handle the typical, you know, aggressive male when when drunk in a bar or a restaurant but it, it was kind of funny how things kept taking a, a different turn you know she helps him out with magic then she doesn't want to ha- then he doesn't want her help then he accidentally you know drops the other heavyweight champion because he runs into him but i i thought it was really entertaining uh how he's trying to get out of this because all of a sudden everybody thinks he's the champ and everybody wants to hunt darren down because he's messing you know with their careers because this little skinny advertising executive keeps knocking out all these these big timers but i i really got a kick out of it and i really liked was it her vigren bygren as sam the bartender love yeah. the bartender you know he's got some good one-liners you know keith's always sam. talking about those what do you call it those uh characters those second characters or whatever yeah, those character actors character actors that come in because they're so important to be witch if you've noticed because they're you'd like the drunk guy mr whipple there when he shows up and stuff he's just the best drunk ever he always has been you know when it comes to to shows like this but i really got a hoot out of this one i liked it a lot he's the guy you always see at the bar every time you go there Probably. <laughs> I haven't gone to bars lately. I've been really good. I like waking up feeling normal. I don't like being sick. So I quite I mean I thought this is quite cute and I like that um you know I quite like the basically the way that the story panned out sort of thing with all the press there and then they got that right. thing and you the pictures and I like that, you know, that Sam steps in and the thing is but what I quite like the most is that after he knocks out the um, the black heavy um, champion, um, that, that, he's the heavyweight champion. The other guy was the main contender, I believe. Yeah, but when he knocks him out because he like trips over his um, stool and he knocks, it was him a total out. accident. And then he goes to the bartender and goes, he goes "Yeah, Sam, <laughs> don't you want to be married to me?" Told me Sam anyway. He goes, um, <laughs> "What are you gonna take me out to dinner?" Or... <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was funny. funny but that seemed kind of risque too for that time. Just I don't know. It seems a little risky to I make those know, jokes. So masculinity, wasn't it? That's what the whole episode was about. That was quite cleverly done. Like Darren's, you know, masculinity is like you know because Sam had to step in, so therefore it's questioned there. And then he tries to get out of it. And then when he does do it, and, you know, and then then basically his masculinity is 
kind of question again when he's questioning the bartender. That's true. Oh. It happens to him a lot in a lot of episodes throughout now, and even the new Darren when he takes over. His he's so emasculated so many times, you know. And everybody's going, "Well, this is a real sexist kind of show," but it really isn't because the women witches are totally in control of everything that's going on. And when, that's when, true. When Darren's going, "I'm the man. I wear the pants in this family," kind of shit. But he said he really doesn't, you know. Mm. And the audience knows that. So that's what makes it great. And Sam's is like looking at him like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you keep thinking that. Sure, sure you're in charge. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you the illusion of being in charge. Right, right. <laughs> what about you, Jesse? Any thoughts about this episode? I mean, it kind of reminded me of one of the episodes of I Dream of Genie. I think there's one very, very similar to this. Um, I think there's so a lot similar of, between the, boat, the two shows. Yeah, yes, plot-wise, yeah. Um, I liked it. Um, i trying to think it was my favorite during this time, but I don't know. I guess we'll figure that out. Um, yeah, it was okay. I, I thought it was funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was all right. <laughs> Herbie Fay was in there. He was Kovac's manager. He's well known, too, for Batman. That, that was that, a typical kind of part for him to play. Was that second guy? That wasn't like Muhammad Ali or something, was it? He looked familiar. No, no he reminded me of Candyman. I don't know why. Something. <laughs> well, Todd, um, Tony Todd's actually in the, the remake of The Nightmare, um, The Night of Living Dead. Oh, yeah. You're so used to seeing him, so. This brings us to The Dancing Bear, which is episode 22. And Dora and Darren's mother both get tapped for the same teddy bear. And oh, Dora gets the upper yes. hand when she places a spell on her bear, which dances every time anyone says the name. Tabitha. Darren's father sees the dancing bear as a business opportunity that could reap him and Darren millions. Sam and Darren have to come up with a way to stop the deal Darren's father wants to make with Mr. Hockstetter, played by Arthur Julian, the toy manufacturer he calls in. So what's your thoughts on this, Jesse? This, this one was definitely one I really liked. Um, yeah, I, thought it was, I thought it was very entertaining. I like the very subtle bickering and bitchiness uh, between Endora and which uh, really goes Jared. on in families because you, you know I don't yeah. know when oh, Asher yeah. was born there was a little bit of you know I wouldn't say animosity but it's just like well I'm the better grandmother <laughs> no it's like I'm the better yeah grandmother. he loves me more no I don't know if it was that bad but. Uh, there there's there's that underlying thing that really is there sometimes that's what's really hysterical about yeah i really i really enjoyed it because i mean i know it was kind of seedy of endora because she's the one that kind of started the whole bickering she didn't even try (laughs) to get along with darren's mother really not exactly i don't i don't know i I feel like she did they're both peeing on each other's legs yeah, but I think Andorra kind of like pushed the boat a little bit too far in this one. Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. never because she's the boat mortal too far and she's Darren's mom. So I don't know. I think it's also because she's whiny. She kind of makes herself an available target. She's definitely a soft target. There's just no getting around it. So whiny, but complains, headaches. But when you look at the circumstances, I mean, Darren's parents live out of town. Right. So they get to see, they get to see Tabitha rarely. Right. And to have Endora like throw in her face that she can see Tabitha anytime she wants to, it's kind of like, 
You know what I mean? So I can understand, you know. Where- oh, yeah, it's perfectly normal. Though. But I mean, yeah, I, but the thing is, they happen to get the same teddy bear. And of course, the other one is hexed or bewitched because it's dancing. Mm-hmm. And the funny part about it is that all these people watching this dancing bear, it defies gravity for one. OK, <laughs> there's, a, there's no way nothing mechanical on this bear is going to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was all right. I, have to say, I was there. very, very impressed when um, Darren was it, I, can't remember, I think it might have been Darren that took took the bear and just basically just put it on the rail of the crib and just and it just stood and it there. just stays there. This is really good. How did you get that balanced? <laughs> yeah, and just the but, way it danced, his little feet like bouncing back and, and forth. And who's gonna buy the little girl a clown? You know what? I would never have ever. No, I was about. I like was gonna say. I was going to say, like, that specific clown is terrifying, and I'm uh-uh. really shocked. That was poltergeist that... kind of clown. Yeah. Yeah, the poltergeist under the bed kind of clown. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way Tabitha would have liked that better. That thing's creepy and ugly. Like, there's nothing... I wouldn't want to have that thing in my house. Oh, hell no. It's not, it's not even attractive looking. Like, it is, it's not an attractive clown doll. It's just a very creepy, ugly looking... It's kind of grotesque looking. Like, there's nothing about the face that's even cute. It's anyway. very ugly. It's like an ugly clown. I'm not scared of anything like that, but it's just not. I am. It's not appealing. <laughs> it's not appealing in any way. Like, why you, would a kid want that? You must not remember the great clown scare of 2016, where they were just showing up no, in the I, Dallas area. No, I know. And just staring at you. It's just like, I don't know what the hell was with that. that no, that, that happened to my family in Minnesota. Um, my siblings were outside, and so there were clowns, like, up and down the street. And I told yeah. them to get inside, because you don't know who's behind that mask or what they're trying to do or what they're getting at. Have I didn't trust those terrifier? people. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, is that the one with the clown with the black and white kind of mask yeah. or face or something? Yeah, uh, I, best I, clown ever. I don't care what anybody says. That is the best freaking scary ass clown ever was terrifying. Whoever plays him is fantastic. Yeah, scary I've heard of clown. it, but I, ha- I haven't looking, seen it I'm yet. I'm forward to the sequel. Oh, I know. I, I'm so glad that I know. I, I think I, that's one of my favorite horror movies, actually. I love it. And you never, and you just never know who's going to be the next victim. I thought that's, I thought that was actually quite, quite cleverly done, actually. Right, I've, and then I've you got Arthur, Arthur Julian. He's been in quite a few things too. He was a well-known Arthur character. Arthur Julian um, is Anne Julian's father. Is it? Did not know that. Anne Julian was quite a popular person on um, American television in the seventies and eighties. But her first acting role was Baby June, the original production of Gypsy on Broadway with Ethel Merman. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, Ethel Merman. How could you forget her? There's no business like show no business. No business. I know. She had a very strong singing voice for sure. Yeah, very distinct. Very distinct. Very, you could certainly wake people up with that. Oh, you know who we're talking about if you if you Google it. She's she's no, pretty I, no, out there. I know I know who she is. I know who she is. I keep forgetting you're an old soul, Jess. Yeah. I grew up watching vintage shows. Like no no one knows Your mother raised you right. No one that I know my age knows anything that I'm talking about. So I usually just gravitate towards everyone who does know what I'm talking about. And it just happens to usually be like older people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> whatever but it's disappointing i don't know i always feel like a alone in the world or like a i don't know weirdo i feel like a weirdo because no one usually likes the things that i like so 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to episode number 23, Double Taped. And Dora gives Darren three wishes for his birthday Dora. without telling him. Larry is stuck at a fogged-in Chicago airport and has one of his clients, Mr. Trujan, sitting in his office to renew a contract. Darren wishes he were Larry for a day to help with the client and turns into a double of his boss. Problems arise when Louise shows up and to top it off, the real Larry comes home. This was filmed in January 3rd, 1966, made in season three as Three Wishes. So we're going to see a remake of this next season. So, oh, no. Vicky, <laughs> what's your thoughts on this one? Uh, this one, I kind of got a kick out of as well. Uh, I, I thought it was funny because, well, at least too bad Darren didn't know he had three wishes, like the elevator. He wanted it to hurry up. But those people probably were like, what the hell? Because they came down rather fast, it looked like. Uh, it was, it was, I, the, the person who really kind of made this one was Louise, because when, you know, clearly he was stuck in fog, her husband, he couldn't get back. And then he wishes he was Larry for the day because he, or Darren, because he wants to be able to get this meeting over, not knowing he's going to turn into Larry. And then he ends up at the house with Louise and Samantha's not going anywhere because there's no way that he's going to bed with Louise, you know, kind of thing. So it got really convoluted. I, I think it's so genius or really simple minded, maybe how they always talk their way out of these situations that are almost possible and people will buy any explanation eventually. Yeah. Even though, even though to you, it's not realistic in any way. And it's like, what you're now you're just saying things just to confuse them. So they think, you know, they know what you're talking about, but they still don't. And I think that's usually what it is. It's, they're so good at confusing people. They just kind of agree to like go back home because they don't want to sit there and continue to have this mind boggling explanation for something. Cause I mean, I don't know. That's what I would do. I would just say, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to go now because this doesn't make any sense and I know it's not going to, so I'm just going to leave. Yeah. But I mean, Louise is kind of stuck with it. You know, that's true. Got- Larry did a good job of being tending his dar- being Darren being. No, right. I thought so too. I I remember taking a mental note of that in the when I was watching that I, I wanted to mention that too. Um, and yeah, he did a really good job while still maintaining, you know, his Larry esque. But you could still see that that aspect in there, which is cool. Well, Larry's such a he's like a who was it that played the lovable lech on Night Court? He reminds me of him sometimes so much. Oh God, what was yeah. his name? I mean, that lovable lech is like is still a standpoint in a lot of sitcoms nowadays. I mean, you had it. How I Met Your Mom. The yeah, um, I Dream of Jeannie, Mister Healy. Yeah, and you had the lovable lech and Roger Healy. (laughs) A bit of a lovable lech, really. Well, I mean, I just never understood how Louise can stand him anyway because he's such a turd. But I guess he's capable of love. On the other hand, too, but Larry's got one of those you love to hate him kind of characters. I like the sex comedy romp that used to get in the 60s. That's what this is going to remind me of that. But I also yeah. like, I like Samantha, but you got to get rid of her. She's got to go because she don't send her home. I know. Get her she goes, Maybe she'll get the hint. <laughs> I know. She tried to get rid of Samantha and he goes, well, he goes, we all love her. He goes, but she's got to go. And then, then it wasn't, then Larry sees Darren and his, silky bathrobe i mean did people really dress like that back in the day i just got sweatpants yeah and tank tops all the time you know they didn't have sweatpants then everyone dressed nice like when you went out casual clothes were still 
suit and ties with like maybe a knit sweater over well, top. I guess it was it's all, true because when people yeah. used to fly, even close to the eighties, we got dressed up just to, to fly, you know? So yeah. I guess things were a little more classy back then. I kind of wish people still dress like that. Cause I, I don't like dressing in normal clothes. It's very depressing. Very mundane. Well, you know what? Don't <laughs> wait till you're middle age, Jess. You just wear whatever you want and identify I do. whatever you want to do. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> do. And people seem to like find me more interesting when I do that. So maybe I should do it more often. I, think I, I wear... admire people who are different. Yeah, or just confident. Confident enough to dress weird and be weird. <laughs> be weird young because you can't get it back. That's true. And it, it's weird when you're old and being weird. <laughs> like when you're an old goth and waited too long and now you're doing it when you're older. It's not the same. It's not the same. Yeah, you might be surprised. Yeah. And speaking of dress, this brings us to episode 24, Samantha the Dressmaker. Oh my God! Samantha is trying to design <laughs> so an evening gown for a business dinner. She and Darren are going to with an important client, the Gladys. Samantha and Dora sneak a peek at some yet-to-be-unveiled fashions in Paris. After Samantha uses her magic to recreate one for herself, two ladies from the dinner ask her to make dresses for them. The original designer Albert, played by Dick Gautier, and Dick Gautier is the original Birdie from the movie Bye Bye Birdie. Yep. Um, turns out to be one of Darren's clients at a New Year. New York fashion show, the designer faints when he sees Samantha and her friends in his creations. Samantha has to find, figure out a way to get Albert to not sue the agency, but also to help Albert mass market his dresses to Americans. So, Jesse, what are your thoughts about this episode? I thought it was kind of interesting. I mean, I particularly just liked the parts where Gladys Kravitz kind of walked in on them. Oh, walked in on her, kind of, she just zapped. Oh, oh, wait, this happened in another episode, too, I wanted to mention. Which one was it? Um, when Gladys was going to babysit, and then Samantha had to change real quick. Oh, that was the boxing one, yeah. I forgot to mention that. There was a funny scene where she changed really quick, and... Goes in the closet and comes out with a coat on. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that wasn't even that crazy, because she probably could have put just that coat on over whatever she was wearing just like that, and I didn't really find that particularly crazy. It's not like she did her hair or, or anything. She literally just had a, an overcoat on, the one that they used when she was pregnant. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was... It's always funny. And I, I knew it was going to happen when Gladys walked in. Like- as- Mm-hmm. I noticed that Samantha in this segment and the, the block of episodes wears a lot of ugly hats. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked that one hat she had on. The was floppy that, hat? That, was that the one for lunch? She went. Yeah. I love how Endora dresses her daughter when she takes her off to to Europe for a quick lunch. God, that would be fun. But, you know what I did work. notice about this episode? It, it. I thought that I know that um, the actress that plays Gladys Kravis gets ill, and you can really tell in this one. No, I, I was going to say that too. Yeah, she she really does look more gaunt and skinny progressively. Thin. It's yeah. really sad. It's, it's very really sad, sad. To watch. especially once you know what's actually happening to her. It's not like, oh yeah, she's on health kick. She's losing weight, yeah, and now she's, she's skinnier. Ill. No, yeah, she's hanging in there well, the for back then. Not- and the yeah. wig's not good either. So no, no, no. It's flattering right now. The wig, the wig's over actually is getting bigger because her her head's getting. It's smaller. true. Yeah. yeah, I think we talked about that one last time too, and it's just very sad. Sad to see. You know, I also, you know, what I did like about this, that I thought was quite interesting, and I have to say that that's what's quite good about the witches. They put little messages in there, and the idea that basically that designers 
do not design for people of all shapes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I noticed that. That was like a that was really prevalent. But they did say something derogatory. Why would you put my gowns on these women? You know, that's yeah. kind of ornery. But you know, not everybody looks like that. And you know, it's you'd true. be better to mass produce stuff that everybody can wear. I mean, it's the smart thing. The only thing I didn't like is at the final fashion show. I kind of wish that they could have beautified Gladys a little bit. Yeah, yeah, they didn't even. That would have been nice. Where Abner looks at her and goes, oh, or something. And it would have been like a nice little cherry on the top of this. Because I think overall, it's a good episode. It's just that it would have been nice that they they didn't. I don't think she always needs to be the butt of the joke all the time. No, I don't either. Because the dress that they put her in is freaking hideous. Well, it might be hideous, but all that fluff is popular back then, though. All that stuff. I think it was popular. But I mean, if you look at what the other ones were wearing. More streamlined I mean, and flattering. I mean, one of them look was more they, like pajamas, to be honest. Well, look at the one that um, Samantha was wearing. It wasn't like a black evening dress, and they just tied a tablecloth around the middle of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> like okay. Yeah, that's what. But I then again, like. I guess I mean, what do you do? I mean, the thing is, the clothes are made by a set designer. I mean, by the costume. Well, actually, their clothes come from different stores, and because at the end of it, you see Dick Yard's clothes are come from this shop and. Elizabeth Gumbers come from this shop and indoors clothes come from this shop. Sort of so. like uh well, I don't know who shadows. Fashions by Orbox. Orbox, yeah. Oh geez. So, but I but I thought that um but I thought overall I think it had like a pretty good little message and it, it was cute, you know, it was you know, Chucky, um kind of chuckle, but then you do think that um, you know, then but you did have some recourse there with Darren and Samantha where it's like, you know, you put me in this position sort of thing. Well, right. I couldn't say Yeah, that. I don't like when they do that. They did that with the street sign thing too, I think, where was it Samantha that volunteered Darren and then he did it vice versa to her to kind of yeah. show her what it feels like and then she just was successful anyway or something. Yeah, I, I think find it, it annoying like that. that Darren puts all this, this human crap on his wife when she shouldn't have to. If I was a real witch, quote unquote, I would be blinking up all kinds of stuff for myself and my family. So he's, now that's it's kind of annoying that he does <laughs> that to her. You know, he married her yeah. for what she is. Now, now he's, oh, well, can you make gowns for all these women? You know, and it's, it's just kind of thoughtless like i mean i feel like that's just an indication where you kind of just you kind of take for granted what it is that your spouse is even doing because you're not there to see what she's doing you're just there to see the result and that's all you really want is the result you don't care about the time it takes or how long it takes and i feel like you get that a lot with these 1950s like sitcoms especially with bewitched where they just the guys don't really care. They barely say thank you. They're just like, oh, you did a good job. And then pat them on the head like they're dogs or something. I know. And well, then... at least they're well-kept housewives. <laughs> I will give them that. They're well-kept. That, that sounds like an interesting band's name, well-kept housewives. It probably could be one. <laughs> I mean, it is a catch-22 situation, I guess, because if Samantha wasn't a witch, she wouldn't be in that position. But then again, if she wasn't a witch then she wouldn't have been able to pull off those that dress design. Yeah, that's either. true. Both that's true. It's Darren bizarre. So it's almost like Darren's forcing her to use the magic anyway. Yeah, he doesn't realize it, though, does he? I don't think he knows that she did it by magic, which well, you think he would 
you think he would kind of come to that conclusion or even because he suspects her about like weird things when she wouldn't need to use magic that's oh yeah she's doing magic for this she can't do this on her own she can't use her brain what was that episode where she just simply thought of an intelligent oh yeah i think it was for one of his slogans she came up with an interesting idea and he just assumed that she just did it with magic because oh yeah she doesn't have a brain of her own it has to be magic well, we can't deny that there is a bit of base sexism in the 60s. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, can all definitely. agree to that. So, definitely, you know. yeah. This brings us to episode 25, The Horse's Mouth. Samantha turns oh, a runaway God. racehorse into an attractive woman named Patty Reagan. That depends on that. Do you just mind the woman played by Patty Lindsay? To find out why she escaped in her human form, the horse tells Samantha that her name is Daily Rand and that she is a racehorse. Later that evening, Darren brings home his old friend Gus Walters, played by Robert Sorrells, for dinner. Gus is having trouble raising money for his new business venture. Dolly Rand suggests Gus raise the money through betting on the horses. As a track, Dolly asks Samantha to turn her back into a horse so that she can race, and what she sees is her final shot of winning glory. So, Jesse, what are your thoughts of the horse's mouth? Uh, I honestly hated this episode. I didn't like it. <laughs> I, it. I hate episodes like this. They're just so boring. And I'm like, I don't want to see Samantha interacting with a human that was like a dog or a horse or something all day Why long. Why not? Like, it's weird and it's childish and it's just blah, but it's, not my but taste. It's, but it's it's not a it's not a real show. You're supposed to see all this stuff with the supernatural. No, I know, I know, but it's just too mundane. Like if she was interacting with something more spooky and witchy and something with more depth, it'd be more interesting. But I mean, that's not something that I really care about. It just seems like it's like too Mary Poppins for me. It's but you think childish. it was too much like the cat one with the, the, the maybe that too. I think because it feels repetitive, but also kind of just like meh. It's just kind of about a horse. It doesn't really add or define Samantha's life or Darren or it doesn't have anything to do with you know her family, his family, or anything. And it. It's not going to come back. It doesn't have any relevance. And that's also something that bothers me, I guess. I don't know. There's just something. Did she, wonky. did Dally Rand, did she like Gus or something? Do you think that's why she wanted to, to race and tell him to bet? I think she, I think she's just trying to be helpful because Samantha is being kind to her. So she's just being kind to Samantha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have to say that what I did like about her, I thought, um, the actress playing um, Daily Rand. I thought I liked her. I thought she did a really good job. There's like little things that she did, like, you know, so <laughs> she's definitely very horse-like. She's very yeah. horse-like. That's for sure. I'll agree with that. And, and it kind of remind me of like Joanne Worley. Oh my God. <laughs> I can she see that. Great. God, whatever. She was fantastic. I loved her. I think the last thing she did was Beauty and the Beast. She's the, was she's it? The, she, last thing I know that she did was the cartoon Beauty and the Beast. She's yeah, you might be right. What, she, uh, was it the teapot you said? She, no, she the was teapot. the teapot. Um, that wardrobe. was Angela Lansbury. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who did she do again? The she wardrobe. was the wardrobe. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. You know how she screamed and the wardrobe jumps up? Yeah. She did a um, laugh-in reunion show as well. Oh, Laffin's on Prime. Oh, my God. Talk about a blast from the past. But, I mean, I think overall, I mean, it was a cute episode. I thought it was quite nice. I I, I mean, there are certain things I did like. I like the idea that Samantha 
is good to all walks of life sort of thing. And she's very understanding. So I thought that was quite nice. And, you know, and it, you know, she, I don't know what happens to her after she won the race because this is her last glory. So you never I, see these characters again. It's true. Well, that's, I mean, that's it's another a, I mean, normally when a horse finishes its last run of glory, they tend to get sent to the blue factory. I don't know if that's what happened to good old Dolly Ran. Yeah. <laughs> But I, but I like the story about her and her sister. <laughs> right. Like, you, know, you know, what I do is I, t- I tucker them all out so that way my sister can win the race. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so, I mean, you know, it was, it was cute for what it was sort of thing. Will I remember it from years from now? Probably not sort of thing. But, you know, it, it just, I, I, I mean, part, part of me does like it. And, it, it has to, and I think it has to do with because of her, um, the actress playing the horse turned into a woman. I think she was good. I think if she was a bit weak or a bit annoying, I think it would have fallen flat in his face. But I found Darren's friend annoying. I didn't like him. Most of Darren's friends are annoying, except Adam West. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. This brings us to episode 26, Baby's First Paragraph. Um, photograph. Sorry, sorry. Photograph. Tired of hearing how smart Gladys's baby nephew is, Andora uses witchcraft to make the still infant Tabitha talk fluently, which is voiced by an uncredited June Foray. Now, June Foray is the voice of Rocky the Squirrel from Bullwinkle. Oh, my God. <laughs> how could I not remember that? I was like, where is that voice coming from? It's Rocky hey. the Squirrel. The speech makes its way into the national news thanks to Glass's big mouth. And Dora, who is angry at Darren for burying her, berating her, makes Tabitha speak in front of the reporters. Sam and Darren have to come up with a way to stop the story cold. Her life has become a media circus since the story broke. This was filmed in January 21st, 1966. This is the last episode filmed featuring Alice Pierce as Gladys Kravitz, who would die of cancer six weeks later. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. That is tragic. Yeah. Well, you know, it it does make me sad to watch somebody emaciate like that. You know, you know, she was probably suffering. Poor thing. When she was she was probably very uncomfortable and didn't feel good. But boy, you know, you got to give her creds for still doing what she did. That's for sure. And making yeah. people laugh. Bless her. He died on March 3rd, 1966. And this was filmed on January 21st, 1966. So, um, I thought it was an entertaining episode, though. I mean, you, you, is that the original Tabitha? Is she a baby in this? Is that her? Yeah, because yeah. I was looking at her face and I'm going, that that's that's her. It's got no, be. there was there were definitely certain faces. You could definitely see that was Aaron. The Murphy. eyes. I was like, just. But I know they're colorized, so I was looking for the blue eye. I get really confused with the colorization. Yeah, yeah. Baby eyes, sometimes baby's eyes don't change for six months as well. So yeah, that's well. true. But yeah, I you mean, can definitely uh, tell. Oh, sorry. I mean, there's a, I mean, it could have been Aaron Murr. Um, it could have been Aaron, or it could have been her twin sister as well. So right. yeah, but they're twins, so it doesn't really make a difference. I don't. I don't know how but that. Once again, they are. Yeah. So once again, have Andorra using witchcraft to make her granddaughter look better or more in vogue than the other baby. Because what was it? Gladys yeah. brought her nephew over and talking about how how you know what's the word? How advanced he is for an infant, and you know then she makes her start talking and poor. No one ever believes that poor woman for the most part. Poor Gladys. She, she's always taking it on the chin and taking one for the team every episode, just about. 
But uh, I guess Endora got angry at, at Darren for making fun of her. And so she was it. She said she was a ventriloquist, though. Wasn't that mm-hmm. what she did to explain the story yeah. to these guys? Yes. I mean, you know, when you watch the news now, what did you think about watching the news? What they were like then as opposed to now? Because that was pretty much they would show up and just do their thing. Now it's just like, wow, news. Mm. I mean, it's, it's different from what we've seen with like the paparazzi. <laughs> right, right. They're kind of like what they're kind of, you know, even though that they're kind of like invading your space, they're not. They're, they're still keeping a cut nice safety, a cut, cut nice safety distance from you at the same time. They're not like trying to run you, know, you into a pole under the Eiffel yeah, not, Tower. They're, yeah, they're like in front of you. They're not like all around you, pushing against you, sort of thing. You kind of shoved in the middle, like we've seen Britney Spears happen. Britney Spears. Oh God, <laughs> poor Britney Spears. Jesus, did you see what they they had her? Don't even get me going on that story. They had her, like, they, they, they had everything bugged. I mean, that woman did not have any uh, presumption of, what's the word, you know, privacy. Oh, my God. How, I mean, that's just insane. I couldn't live that way. But I thought it was a cute episode, though, because, of course, there's Endora who thinks that her family, her daughter, her granddaughter is the best things in sliced bread. And she's not going to be upstaged by anybody else, even if it is an innocent baby. <laughs> so she's going to you know make tabitha look like yeah at first they had me going with a bottle i thought that was gonna be the first time with tabitha's looking for her bottle but that was Endora oh, yeah. as well and she didn't want her to babysit i, I felt bad because she, she didn't uh elizabeth montgomery didn't want her to babysit yeah i didn't understand that actually i mean who, like can't, who can't trust you your mom to babysit but you won't let your own mother babysit why yeah and, yeah, and it's considering weird. that later on in episodes that we will see, she's fine with uh, Clara. She's always the there. <laughs> yeah, I thought it's weird because she already. Yeah, the, she already better than Uncle Arthur. Sit and sit there. Yeah, she's already there all the time. So I don't know. I I thought that was kind of bizarre too. I'm like, mm, yeah. I don't I don't know if you have a valid point here, but sure, we'll just we'll go with it. You know, right. I don't, it's very rare that people don't leave their kids with their parents. Yeah, unless unless you know unless there's like alcohol or drug abuse going on, <laughs> something. Normally, like not a, it's not an issue. <laughs> I mean, this all does hinge on um, Agnes Moorhead as Endora and the looks that she gives Gladys. You know, like when she touched her babies, like really advanced. Such a strong actress, no matter what she did, though. Endora was comedy or drama. But it's just like little glances and just a little look. That's all she needs to do. She doesn't have yeah. to say anything. She's... It's the eye makeup. That is yeah. some serious no, eye makeup, it, man. No, it's not just the eye makeup. But she she embodies like something that you can't even explain. She embodies the ultimate senior witch. That's exactly what she embodies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she was brilliant. I quite liked her, actually. Yeah, I thought it was funny how she tricked the fake news, even for back then. It was going to be fake news. <laughs> and she's I'm a, I'm a ventriloquist. <laughs> I know, I could throw my voice. You have to, so she's trying to teach Gladys how to do ventriloquism. She'll speak from the back of your throat. <laughs> <laughs> This brings us to episode 27, The Leprechaun. A leprechaun named Brian O'Brien, played by Henry Jones, which we'll know from 
Where do you recognize this leprechaun from, Henry Jones? Oh, God. I'm going to hit you in my shoes again. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I know. He's he's been in a lot of stuff, though. Yeah. We did um, The Bad Seed. Oh, 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 my God. Was that him? He's He's a horrible person in The Bad Seed. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, I remember now. I totally forgot about him. But I've seen him in so many other movies. I mean, he's he had quite a career. Yeah, and I hit him with my shoes again. (laughs) (laughs) She burns them alive, doesn't she? Oh, that's right. Yes, she does. She was a bad seed. What an awful child she was. Love that movie. A leprechaun named Brian O'Brien, who claims to belong to Darren's family, comes to the U.S. to reclaim his lost pot of gold. The fireplace in which he was hiding it was transported into a new house in the U.S. by the house's wealthy new owner, played by James Dennis Robinson, which is played by Parley Bear. Um, when Robinson's house nearby, Brian decides to break in, only to be caught and jailed. When Samantha decides to help, they discover that Mr. Robinson has already found the gold, but it turns out that Mr. Robinson believes in leprechauns and gives Brian his gold back. What are your thoughts of this, Dix? Yeah, this one got kind of convoluted, didn't it? I was, I thought that's for. I hate to rush to the ending on it. Well, well, one, the the, they, I don't know if the Irish get sick of being portrayed as drunks every so often, but you, it's like a leprechaun, and he drank. Did you see all the liquor cabinet that Darren did have? And then he comes back like six hours later, and there's nothing left of out of all those bottles under the liquor cabinet. They're all gone, and it's only been like an eight hour workday. I mean, you know, that's just funny. But I got a kick out of that, you know, how he's trying to get his pot of gold and that he was Darren's relative as opposed to Samantha's relative. So, see, now Darren's got some stuff going on in his background, but the end of it kind of kind of threw me. OK, so I, I, I assume that um, uh, not not Brian O'Brien, but the um, oh, what's his name the, who plays the wealthy. Uh, OK, James Dennis Robinson. He's playing uh, this this rich, eccentric kind of guy who had this fireplace shipped over from Ireland, which is not too far from the truth. A lot of people do that. They yeah. ship piece like what part London Bridge they shipped over to Lake Havasu, I think. Yeah, but like unfortunately, they, they thought that the, so that's quite that's quite a funny story, because when they shipped over London Bridge, they thought London Bridge was Tower Bridge. Right. Oh, didn't realize yeah. that basically London Bridge isn't Tower Bridge. Basically, it was this place where they built a bunch of houses. I'd like to see them like, ship Tower like Bridge all the way over here. Holy shit, man. Right. Like, so, like you so, guys are ever going to like get rid of that. But that's what I was thinking, too. And then, we can imagine disappointment when they actually um, put it up. It's like, where's yeah. the tower? <laughs> yeah. Isn't yeah. That, isn't that the London Bridges that we know? <laughs> yeah. But the thing is with this episode, okay, so they leave you with everybody knowing everybody is a supernatural being. And this guy's going to take on the, you know, he's going to take on McMahon and Tate because of the the leprechaun and Samantha. So I guess their secret's safe with him. I guess. Uh, it's kind of odd. I mean, it was kind of an odd story as well, because there's like, there's a disconnect between Darren and the leprechaun friend. <laughs> Even a member of well, he doesn't family. want him to call him cousin. Remember? Yeah. He says, I'll go buy you another bottle if you stop calling me cousin. I mean, it did have a bad stereotype about Irish people and drinking. Yes. <laughs> but then again, that was the first country I've ever been to that had tankers of Guinness beer. I've seen beer trucks, but not tankers of beer being pulled by a semi. 
So, you know, I was like, whoa, look at all this Guinness. It's a whole gasoline truck full of beer. <laughs> wow. And then even the biz- even the business guys are drunk. So, so it's like, oh, okay. But I it was mean, a great it, episode. It, it, it was it was cute. It was interesting. Um I mean, I love seeing Henry Jones only because every every since Bad Seed is oh it's like, oh, it's quite nice to see him. It would have been nice if the business guy was played by Dennis Patrick in Dark Shadows. That's who I thought it was at first. Who'd you think it was? Dennis Patrick from Dark Shadows. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> at first I did. It's like and then and then as I saw more of him, I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. He would have been a good choice too, though. He does that Irish thing really good. Yeah. But it was it was kind of a, you know, he believes in leprechauns, you know, he was gonna keep his pot of gold. Well, I guess the leprechaun was drunk all the time and he kept losing his pots of gold. And this was his last one for his retirement. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the guy was really cool about it. He let him have his pot of gold if he did his commercials, I guess. Right. Yeah. So so he'll be like the spoke. He'll be like the. I guess the advertising spokesperson like Mr. Whipple. This one had a lot of loose ends at the end, though. It kind of left you wondering, well, what are they going to do about this? Everybody knows that he's a supernatural leprechaun and Samantha's a witch. I mean, I guess the thing is, is that all Darren has to do is draw, draw him because all, all they just do print ads, don't they? I don't think they do commercials. I think they just do print ads. Right. They did commercials back then, though. Darren will draw his face and just do that. So I guess, you know, I don't think. I don't think he'll be doing like TV commercials or anything. I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if Man and Tate do television commercials. I know that everything seems to be in print. Everything seems to be like newspaper prints or magazines and stuff. So, right, right. This brings us to our last episode, which is episode twenty-eight, called "Double Split." At a cocktail party at the Tate's home, Samantha meets the snobbish daughter, played by Julia Gregg, of a client. The daughter provokes Sam into using witchcraft to hit her in the eye with an hors d'oeuvre. The next day, Larry and Darren have an argument over the incident, which leads to a parting as friends and co-workers after Darren quits. Sam comes up with a plan to make Larry and Darren friends again. Okay. So what are your thoughts of this, Jesse? I thought it was funny, especially the joke where... Um... What's your name? I can't think of her name all of a sudden. Louise, when Louise makes that joke, you look like um, Darren just canceled all your charge accounts. And yeah. also, in the beginning, there was a very uh, sexist joke. Oh, I, I, you know, it takes women to get longer than men, which, you know, it might be oh, true. Oh, I know. But, not, but it's Samantha's not necessarily already dressed. True. You know, yeah. But Samantha's already dressed and Darren takes his time. So there, you know, ergo, you know, the women still have... It, this, this show makes women look good. It doesn't really... Yeah. We know it's sexist, no, not at all. kind of, but they make women look so in control on this show. That's why it kind of alleviates any of the "I wear the pants in the family" sexism That's true. bullshit. So, also, I mean, it does make they, up. Also, they make that same joke that they made in the very first episode when um, Samantha meets Sheila. Do you know Doctor yeah. Hafter, dear? Just yeah. wonderful nose work. It's like, oh my gosh, how many times are we going to hear this same joke? Is all you rich people? like aware of this joke or something it's like well you got that snobbish daughter played by julie gregg i mean you i mean she's the kind of person i would have punched out if i had one too many at a party i mean that she's just an awesome she's a a nasty little cuss i mean she doesn't have something nice to say don't say it at all like mom says you know but i mean she does provoke 
And you, I mean, then she says Sam threw the hors d'oeuvre at her, but I mean, you don't see no arms moving. Yeah. But then the the two numbskulls get in a fight. You get the women who are again, smarter than the men. And make them yeah. the common foe, so that those two idiots go to the club and spend the night, and they realize, like, oh man, we we effed up, so we probably yeah. should apologize. And they need that and homophobic I- thing where they might have to share a bed together. So, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid you'd have to share a bed with another male. Oh my God, life is and, over. And I was also know? annoyed how Darren just refuses to be supportive or understanding, at least. You know, trying to empathize. He just, he's so concerned with himself and looking a certain way in front of people and, or, you know, something. It's always about his clients and pleasing other people, not Samantha. Well, they put these women through the paces. They'll say, like, an hour before dinner party for eight, can you do it? You know, I would kill my old man. Basically, she's like um, the girl in Rumple Stillskin who is expected to perform all these miraculous wonders while also not being able to use witchcraft, witchcraft to do so. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, um, yeah, okay, so you want her to get ready for dinner on last minute notice, have like a wonderful meal made for your boss and a client or maybe even more people and also have all the housework done yeah. prompt. You know, well, pronto. They make it sound like <laughs> making a leg of lamb is an easy project. It really isn't. No. That's not if you like not not if you want it to taste good. <laughs> not if you want it to taste good. If you want it to be dry, sure, <laughs> sure. Well, the one thing I liked about this episode was the attention to detail because if you notice when uh, Darren opens up his bag and he's in the club, he has his three little ties like sitting out there. You know, so he <laughs> yeah. has a choice. I kind of like that because that that I like the little. Details it feels lived in. It feels genuine. Like they're creating yeah, little person. Yeah. Like what would these people be like behind closed doors? Like when right, you f- right. when they think they're not being um, paid attention to. I like, I I like also that obviously Louise just says stupid stuff in front of the client as well. That was quite nice to learn with stuff like that. All that Louise always, you know, Louise is not as perfect as you think she was. So it's quite nice to know that she. You know, that she she's done stuff in front of the clients before as well. Right, right. Mm. But, you know, it's kind of it's it's fun to see the two get their comeuppance for being assholes to the ladies, you know, and and then That's they come up sure. with this little plan, you know, that, you know, puts the kibosh on their little temper tantrums. It's, it's kind of like that one episode um, that I think I think it was last. I think it was in the last um, block that we did where. They had a client. And oh yeah, it was the truth, the truth statue one, I think, where they were all telling the truth about each other <laughs> yeah. and the wives finally spoke up and told it like it was. It's very entertaining and it's very satisfactory. So it's like even though they they display the way it was back then, they do kind of find ways to empower the women in the ways that they're able to, while still also maintaining that that you know, that very fifties housewife role. So I think that's kind of interesting. This is this shows more feminist than people realize, I think, you know, before it's time. And it's so subtle um, that, that it, it feels very clever to do that. But nowadays it's so in your face. Like you have to be all up in people's businesses and be sassy and be nasty. If you want, you know, to get out of there, well, out of that, you know, traditional role or whatever. I don't know. It's just not, it, I think the show does it much better. 
This reminds me of what my grandmother used to say. My grandmother used to say that the man is the head of the family, but the, the wife is the neck, and the neck can make the head turn any way yeah. it wants. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes that's total clever. sense. A wise woman your grandmother was. Yeah, that's yeah, clever. That's, I like that's, that. That's what it kind of reminds me of. Is that, it's like, the man might be the head of the family, but the woman's the neck, and she can turn the head any way she wants. And that's, <laughs> and that's pretty much what you get in this series anyway, is basically... You know, Darren and Larry might be the, you know, the head, but basically it's Louise and, you know, Samantha, be, you know, that basically are controlling everything behind, behind the glory. They, they're the puppet masters. So okay. I got a kick out of it. I thought it was a fun episode. I just like to see the two of them, you know, like how they got corralled into having to go to the same place and then they end up in the same room, you know, because mm-hmm. they deserved it. But, you know, at least they apologized and they got let back in and then they stopped fighting. And I thought it was funny when they were insulting each other's wives. Because it's like, oh, hell no. You did not just go there. <laughs> at least he defends his wife to his boss. I mean, I found that kind of satisfying, at least. I'm like, well, even if he's going to be an ass to her face, at least, you know, defend well, her to your boss or whatever. As well, because he's a quite yeah. horrible disease, but then, you know. That's true. <laughs> I guess, that, I guess that, but that's the thing about families, isn't it? It's like, I can say stuff about my family, but you can't say something about my family. Exactly. Yeah. Only I could abuse my family. so um now we're at the part of our show where we discuss what our favorite episode is and what our worst episode is and we'll start with you jesse what's your favorite episode and worst episode my favorite might actually be the teddy bear one I feel like we've already done teddy bears before, but uh, yeah, with Endora and uh, Darren's mom, that, that, that one definitely has to be my favorite. And my least favorite is the horse one. Mm, I think that one and a tie with the leprechaun one, because it just got lost with that one as well. It, it no, went it in the get same a direction. Towards and then, the end. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it went in a totally different direction. I'm like, wait, is this the same episode? Why does it yeah. feel so different all of a sudden? Um, so when I was watching, I was just kind of like, wait, what? Um, so it might be a tie between those two because they kind of felt the same. And I'm not a fan of those like extra sideline-y kind of things where the characters just kind of, it feels like a kid's book rather than like the intelligent show that Bewitched usually. I mean, I, I'm not trying to diss this at all. I promise, you know, to those who like the horse episode, but <laughs> I just wasn't a fan. And I didn't like the leprechaun one. I just... I don't know. I feel like the leprechaun one's redundant, especially later on. Because um, I feel like the leprechaun thing comes up a lot in Bewitched. Um, they have different Irish characters with magical abilities and stuff. And it just, it definitely runs its course, I feel like, real quick. Right. Because it's it's always stereotypes. It's always cliches. It just depends on who's writing that episode. Yeah, because like if you watch um, uh, like American, what is it called? American Gods. They have uh-huh. a really clever take on, I think his character's a leprechaun, but there's an interesting Irish character. I've got to watch the second season of that. I still he's depicted as more of like that warrior kind of character, I guess. But he has an interesting backstory and it definitely feels original. And I kind of wish that, like, I wish Bewish would deviate from some, some of those stereotypes that are out there because they do try to deviate from the stereotypes of being a witch for the most part. And I wish they'd, you know, did that same thing with other things, other magical creatures that they introduced, but they kind of just stick with the same formula for some of them, and it just makes them feel generic, and that's what I don't right. like about them, is that they feel generic all the way through, and you never see them again, so it feels like a waste 
of time, <laughs> and I hate I, I hate that. Well, yourself, Vix. What's your favorite episode and least favorite? Episode? Oh, God, well, I'm gonna have to. Well, I'm gonna say my favorite episode is probably going to be the dancing bear. I thought it was really cute. I mm-hmm. love seeing the baby. I like seeing the interaction between the grandmas. Um, you know, I I just. Cause I, I can, it resonates, especially if you're actually a grandmother, you start noticing these things like, Oh, I got a little itch about that before. It's like, ah, uh, you know, cause sometimes I'll actually call up other people. It's like, okay, what are you getting Asher for his birthday? So we don't get him the same thing because it <laughs> happens. Cause there's nothing worse than getting your grandkid the same bloody birthday present. But I, I enjoyed that one because I, I just love the hell out of Endora and I just get a kick out of watching her do her thing. And I, I, I'm going to say, I wanted to say I really enjoyed the leprechaun one, but it, you know, like you said, it really kind of went to the wayside where the end, and there was a lot of loose ends and it just didn't seem like typical, typical bewitched at that point, because you're not supposed to unravel everything and let somebody know who y'all are. How do you explain that supernatural stuff? You know, yeah. I don't know. It just kind of confused me towards the end for Bewitched. So, but I mean, I it, I didn't hate it, but it wasn't my favorite. But I thought they were all well done. But I like I was telling Jess, it just depends on who's writing it, I guess. It's true because those things can be handled really well, but sometimes they're just kind of not. I mean, it feels like filler. It just seems like they're trying to get it over with. Well, we went down yeah. the storyline. Let's get this over with. So this is how we're going to do it. You know, or like you need a certain amount of episodes and we don't necessarily have um, ideas for the last two. So let's just come up with this idea and this idea and see what we can do. It feels very last minute and kind of all over the place. So it just wonky overall. So I I have a hard time really getting into it because, you know, you know, the difference when you find a Bewitched episode where it feels really clever. It knows what it wants to say. It feels intelligent. It's heartwarming. And you walk away feeling like, you know, that was a really good episode, but some of them just don't have that same appeal. And you're kind of like, what were they thinking when they wrote this? My favorite episode would have to be Baby's First Paragraph. I quite liked that. I thought it was cute. And it was, it's always it was also episode. cute. It was also cute. And again, Endora, being Endora. I'm a huge Rocky and Bullwinkle fan. so I didn't even put that together until you said that. It's like that voice, that <laughs> voice, that voice. And it was driving me nuts because I also like those cartoons i'm a big baby but i mean my worst one oh, we know. i sit there and say that in this block um my mind wandered a lot during this block i i found that there some of this stuff seems to be a little bit retread and i'm i'm kind of yeah you know I, I do love bewitch and this is not a, a slant against it but i i am now kind of you know i hope we don't have yeah, I got a feeling that we're going to be heading down this road for a long time. But anyway, um, I thought I, I thought the fastest gun in Madison Avenue was cute, but it wasn't the greatest for me, sort of thing. So I mean, there's nothing about it really. Kind of like, yeah, it's again, you know, Samantha helps Darren. Darren's unhelpful about it, and Darren gets himself out of it and thinks it's Samantha again. Right, so, right, right, right. We're, you know, we, we're getting a lot of repeat scenario yeah maybe that's what it is because i I mean if we're only in the second season there shouldn't be this repetition already you know Uh, um, agreed yeah i thought i thought the fastest gun in madison avenue i thought everyone was good in it but we did get we did get a repetition because we didn't have this before so So let's get to favorite character and least favorite character. Starting with you, Vicky, who's your favorite character in this block and your least favorite character in this block? 
My favorite character with on this block is going to be, well, it's a tie because I really enjoyed the drunk Irish uh, uh, leprechaun. I get a kick out of stuff like that because it is kind of entertaining. But I'm going to say Andorra being the crazy grandma, she has to get my vote for this one for the this block of episodes. I just enjoy the heck out of watching her. Uh, she's just so formidable. And so self-righteous and justified. I mean, you got to love her. I mean, no one's going to screw with her. Like, actually, who's going to? And she's just a typical proud grandma. Nobody's going to outshine, you know, her little Tabitha. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody. I, who did I, as far as uh, least likable? God, there wasn't really a whole lot of people to, to choose from for least likable. Um, maybe... The other, uh, the older lady with the green dress in the uh, uh, Samantha, the dressmaker. Remember the oh, yeah. the, the bigger woman? She was kind of, I don't know. She was kind of dry toast, I guess. But that was her whole point. <laughs> she was, a, she was a good character actress. But she, you know, I, I guess maybe out of all of them, she probably. And I don't really can't even justify why. Then they wanted like Rita Shaw. Maybe, yeah, you know, that's like Aunt yeah, Bertha or something. Because she was, that, she was Bertha, wasn't she, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's probably yeah, she, what I, yeah. I was missing, because she just, Miss Aunt Bertha was, it's Aunt Bertha. So, <clears throat> but I mean, I didn't hate it, or I didn't hate her, actually, but as far as character, she was the weakest, as far as I was concerned in this plot. And what about yourself, Jess? Um, I would probably say my least favorite character was... That other woman, I don't remember what her name was, but the one that was kind of like a, a fr- yeah, no, 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 the friend of the one that you said you didn't like, the the bigger woman. I didn't like the oh, the tall thin woman. woman. Yeah, she was kind of a yeah. nasty cuss too. She was weird, and I didn't really care for her that much. I'm like, she kept putting me off, and I didn't know why. <laughs> it just so it just seemed like they just ran outside of the studio and grabbed a couple vagrants for the day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't know. I felt that kind of that that was kind of weird for me. But my favorite was probably Endora. I don't know. There's just something very glowy about Endora's character. Well, in this, because she was a proud grandma, she was giving everybody shit as Endora. I mean, you just I I don't think she's ever given a performance that I never liked. To tell yeah. you the truth, I wish there were actresses like her because I can't. I miss if you, try to, if, if you try to find someone, even now or across Probably any other Shirley time. McLean. <laughs> yeah, but even even her, she looks similar to her enough, but she doesn't have that same kind of joie de vivre that yeah. Agnes Moore had. And like I've I've seen her in like Twilight Zone where she was really like dumbed down to look more or less like a hillbilly or just a regular country woman yeah. a plain Jane and she, even those roles she does really good at. But it's so interesting okay. and fun to see her as this kind of Charlotte. Have you seen yeah. that see Charlotte when she's yeah. she's, oh, she's yeah. just so she's just so good. I don't know. It's I'll probably it's hard to find someone that again now. She's also a really good character actress, too. I mean, she just really fits into this, like, egocentric woman of the world character, as, you know, um, Darren's father would say. <laughs> she flirts she with really Darren's is. father so shamelessly. It's you know, so She just eggs on his wife. I know. You gotta feel sorry for Darren's mother. <laughs> I would have killed it. her. <laughs> to a degree, I get it, because, you know... Darren's mother is a lot to deal with. Like, I would not be able to live with her. I'd probably... 
I, I don't know. I, I'd want to like go find a closed bathtub and fill it to the top and just kind of like sink into it, and not come out or something. Cause she's just a bit nuts. She's in, especially at her worst. Like I can only imagine how bad <laughs> she would get. Cause she's crazy. And she's always getting yeah. those sick headaches. Mm-hmm. Now my sick favorite headaches. character is going to be Alice Pierce as Gladys, because this is the last, last time you're going to mm-hmm. see her. And for me, yeah, poor thing. Whenever I think of Glad, um, whenever I think of Gladys Kravitz, this is who I remember. And it's hard to believe that she's on. She didn't last two whole seasons. I know, and yet you see and, her deterioration, and it's very sad. Well, think about it. When you think of Gladys Kravitz, you think of Alice Pierce. And yeah. considering that she didn't, she she's only in two seasons, not even a whole season of the second one. And to think that she embodies a char- uh, character so much that she that you think that she's in this for a lot longer than what she is. So right, right. Well, she brought that. so much to the table for that that part. I mean, she really played Gladys with undue abandon. I mean, she just went as batshit as she had to for each episode, and she. <laughs> really made it enjoyable because you knew you know just the chemistry between her and abner and being in a nosy peer in your window neighbor yeah she will be sadly missed after that yeah yeah my least favorite is just walters from the horse's mouth um which was played by robert sorrells um yeah i didn't like darren's friend at all i thought he was a bit of a wet blanket kind of like the two wet blankets. oh yeah yeah Yeah, he he wasn't that yeah and the problem i think the problem with that is that um Bewitch always has fantastic character actors, whether it's Henry Jones playing the leprechaun, or, right? You know, or Artie Johnson coming in playing a leprechaun, or or other thing, other character actors that come in and do like their day, you know, come in for a week or whatever, and never to be seen again. That sometimes, you know, they just they just shine. But then when you get like the character actors that actually don't take a part and do anything with them, they you highly you really recognize it, and they really stick out like a sore thumb, right? You know, that he, he kind of sticks out like that, so. That's my choice. Well, this brings us to the end of the Bewitch. Um, next season, next episode, which will be in November, we'll be doing season two, episodes twenty-eight to thirty-six. And uh, of course, next week we'll be doing our two for one. We're in the eighties. We'll be doing Killer Party and Night of the Demon. And, of course, we'll be covering more Bewitched. And, of course, we'll also be doing Soak um, later on this month uh, to that, which we'll be doing with, I believe, Corinne's going to be having an exorcistic baby. Yeah, that's our forgot about the exorcism baby. <laughs> so we'll be getting to that episode. And, of course, our um, book to screen will be Ghost Story by Peter Strub and the John Irvin film from 1980. Um, so it's good night for myself and good night, Vicky. Good night, everybody. Stay safe. Good night, Jesse. Have a good night, all. And we'll see you next week for the 80s Killer Party and Night of the Demon. And of course, we'll see In you life, next time for Bewitched for One season has two, to face a huge assortment of nauseating fads and good advice. There's health and fitness, diet and deportment, and other pointless forms of sacrifice. Conversation, wit, I am a doubter Manners, charm, they're no way to impress So forget the inner me, observe the outer I 
am what I wear and how I dress. Oh, now I believe in looking like my time on earth is cooking, whether polka dotted, striped, or even checked. With some glamour guaranteeing every fiber of my being is displayed to quite remarkable effect. From your cradle via trousseau to your deathbed, you're on view. So never compromise except no substitute. I would. Than conservative apparel For a dress has always been My strongest suit oh. 